Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. Thanks for joining us as we continue to talk about so many different things in the uh, Catholic world and uh, in our Catholic faith uh, that we're so happy to discuss uh, on uh, this program with the people that join me all the time. My name is Father Daniele, and uh, I'm joined by Josh Sullivan. Yep. Welcome. Thank you. And Matt Van Milligan. Hi. Matt, I must say, last week when we talked about, uh, you know, the journey to become Catholic, I was, you know, I, I, I obviously was there for the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, like, I listened back to our conversation. And I was like, wow, you know, I, I think what you shared last week about your own journey and uh, how you came to uh, seek the truth about Jesus, uh, I found it really beautiful. And it sort of led to a lot of conversation since that episode aired. Mm. So I thought maybe we'd talk a little bit about some things that are like like a fallout of, of that mm-hmm. conversation. Because you've come from a tradition, like Josh and I were born and raised Catholic. Credo Catholics, yeah. Yeah. Do you, yeah. How long after you were born were you baptized? Do you know? Uh, uh, two months. A month. Two months. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. Two months. Yeah, yeah. It was almost like two months exactly, almost. I think it was a month, a month and ten days. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah. yeah. So we were born and raised in Catholic. the Catholic faith, yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, you weren't, you nope. know. And that doesn't make us better than you. <laughs> I saw Josh's eyes. Oh, <laughs> just where are you going? With I know. This? <laughs> it sounded harsher than I than it, than it did in my head. Yeah, yeah. You know? And you, you weren't. weren't. One of these things is End not like episode. the other. Yeah, That's right. yeah. And you weren't. That's all the time and we have for today. <laughs> The Matt's not born Catholic. So, no, but uh, all kidding aside, you know, your journey was really cool because sometimes I do, but I do think, maybe Josh can disagree with me, but I do think that those of us who are born and raised in the Catholic faith, we sometimes take it for granted. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, we grew up learning sort of these things and experiencing the things that, you know, Matt um, may have had to come across on his own and, and really ask questions. Like, when, when we attend Mass, it's just from kids. It's all normal to us. We know the smells and bells and we know all that stuff. <laughs> Whereas someone as an adult coming into the tradition might be like, why do they do that? Exactly. That's never Asking been my the questions. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I admire the journey that you had. Now, given that situation, you know, you're not the only one who's come from the Protestant uh, background to uh, the Catholic mm-hmm. faith. And still to this day, there are, there are people in the Protestant tradition who have objections yeah. to the Catholic faith. And so maybe, you know, based on your wonderful uh, journey that you shared with us last week, I thought maybe we can chat a little bit about the objections that some people have and and try and answer some questions that some people in the Protestant tradition have. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and like this, there are a number of forms that this conversation can take. So like having been part of a a Protestant denomination and, you know, a community of people, um, um, you know, I had to, I encountered, you know, objections as, you know, as I'm telling them, like, I'm considering Catholicism. I've been going to Mass. I've been, um, and I'm still in contact with a lot of those people, and we're still able to kind of have these discussions and um, kind of work work on, on some of these points. Um, <clears throat> but uh, sometimes this conversation can take on a bit of an antagonistic kind mm-hmm. of attitude. It's like, you know, you're wrong about this, or like, you misunderstand um, that um, and, you know, just, just as, as part of my journey or like in, in my experience, um, that, um, you know, 
if you get, you know, a, a, um, a Protestant and a Catholic, you know, sitting around, uh, you know, the same pitcher of beer yeah, um, yeah. With, with, you know, a certain degree of, of goodwill, um, that, you know, you find there's, there's actually a lot more common ground uh, yeah, than, sure. you w- than you would expect. Um, and again, just, just to kind of speak to, to my own journey, and I, I know that this isn't everybody's uh, experience, but it's like, but for me, that like me becoming Catholic wasn't a you know, a outright rejection or repudiation of Protestantism per se. Mm-hmm. Um, that like, and and thankfully, um, you know, uh, my Protestant background in you know taking Scripture seriously, in you know, um, giving me a toolbox of biblical hermeneutics of mm-hmm. actually you know uh, being able to read and interpret and um, look at Scripture seriously. Um, you know, that toolbox or that that's that set of um, are actually kind of enabled me to become Catholic, you know, to just, just even that, you know, take scripture seriously, um, you know, what was, was, yeah, a, r- a really good, um, yeah. I, I was ahead. Yeah, say, yeah. It was, it was funny cause it's, I agree with you. That's, that's one of the things that I remember an experience, um, long time ago where I was staying at a, we were billeted out when I was doing net masteries. And so we're going across country and doing retreats and stuff. And me and this guy were billeted out. He might, one of the guys on my team, and uh, we went to this, this Pentecostal home. And so they really, like, for them, and we didn't understand it until afterwards, And uh, but we were going, uh, they wanted to take us to one of their worship services or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we went. And, like, for us, there was, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a problem. We're going to worship service. Yeah, that's, that's fine. And what we found, which was really kind of funny, was that because we were going into it just completely as the, hey, this is a cool experience, let's do it, you know? Um, but they were kind of going in to convert us. And mm-hmm. we didn't realize yeah. that until the end. Um, but what they realized after, like, as soon as we started going, we're singing praise and worship. Well, like, every day we sang praise and worship for an hour as a team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And sang songs. And we had adoration. We had, like, like so uh, for them, they didn't have adoration, obviously. But, they like, their worship service was what we did for an hour every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so they were completely flabbergasted that we knew all the songs that we were very comfortable praising God's name out loud that we were very you know they, they were just yeah. like I remember just kind of like I had my eyes closed I was praising and then all of a sudden I kind of opened up my eye and the guy who had brought us there was just like <laughs> staring at us with a mouth like yeah. jaw or other thing and just like we that was the conversation we had on the way home then was how much more in common than we have yeah. than we do actually different you know what I mean yeah um yeah, so it was yeah. kind of and Sorry, just when you have that kind of, you know, baseline uh, of fellowship, you know, that actually allows you to, um, you know, <laughs> listen, you know, uh, yeah. l- listen without, you know, the the aim to kind of contradict or um, uh, object. Uh, yeah, uh, correct. Um, and, you know, you can have these kind of uh, look at the nuanced differences between, you know, something like sure. the operation of grace or salvation yeah. theology um, in a way that like, you know, lets you actually look at the, you know, the, the fine points of difference rather yeah. than just kind of. This, yeah, this combative mentality. And I appreciate that you said, you know, because in our conversation today about objections to the Catholic faith by some in the in the Protestant traditions, it's not to, you know, to say, it's it's not sort of to have this conversation in a negative way about mm-hmm. Protestant brothers and sisters. And I appreciate the way that you said that your your experience in the, in the Protestant tradition has helped you to come yeah. and giving you, and even giving you tools to understand yeah. the Catholic faith, right? So I, I appreciate that background because that's not at all. And, yeah. and your example about common ground, yeah. you know, and, and I, I think, 
you know, if we only knew a little more about each other, yeah, that there would be, yeah, we open the lines of communication. I think, I think our efforts at ecumenism, our efforts at, uh, yeah. you know, sharings and living together as Christians would be would go smoother. I'm, I'm going to say, having got, grown up Catholic, where I deepened my Catholic faith was actually going to a Protestant youth group. And part of that was because they challenged me on my faith, which is, was a good thing. But the other part of that was they they challenged you on a, just a reg, as a teenager, they challenged you to grow deeper in your personal relationship with Christ. And I think a lot of times in the Catholic faith, even though that's something we believe in and that's something that it wasn't necessarily pushed on me in the, from a Catholic school perspective by any means, but also in, just from attending church and stuff, that personal relationship with Christ wasn't a big um it wasn't in the vocabulary, if that makes sense, Where, whereas it very much is in the Protestant world. And so by going to the Protestant youth group is where my relationship with God really deepened mm-hmm. to a different level. So like I, the respect that I have, I, I'm going to say as a stepping stone, it brought me to the next level of my faith mm-hmm. by going to these Protestant youth groups. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's just uh, let's, yeah, let's, jump <laughs> let's tackle it here. Yeah. What, what would you say would be one of the greatest obstacles for pro- for some of yeah. the Protestant tradition. Okay, so they're like they're kind of the three three main things that that come up. So um and they're usually kind of the Eucharist, Mary, and Purgatory. Yeah. Like th- those are those are kind of the, the 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 three points of distinction. And so like and just kind of by way of segue um for what you were saying about like um that you know Protestantism can actually give you kind of the toolbox to um kind of approach you know the sacramental view or like a uh, view of the eucharist or um you know the, the sacramental dimension um of the church which um you know has, has kind of gone by the wayside for for most protestants um when we were looking at you know doing this as a topic in the first place i was like so i, I like my instinct was to go to okay well what affected the separation between uh, Catholics and Protestants in the first place. And you can look at um, kind of the, you know, the 95 Theses of Martin Luther, or you can look at, um, you know, kind of the um, Henry VIII's kind of separation there. Like the Henry VIII one is, is a bit more <laughs> political than theological right. yeah. um, um, uh, and more represents kind of a personal split. But like um, the the Lutheran movement, like in the beginning was kind of, was a theological movement. It, it, it became kind of a revolution or it became kind of... Um, a movement after, but like the 95 theses were actual objections to Catholicism. So it was like, okay, this, this seems like a decent starting point. Um, so then kind of my next step would be like, okay, how many of these actually still stand or how many of these are um, actual theological points of contention between Catholics um, and Protestants? Um, and uh, one of the interesting things is, is that of the 95 theses, you know, very few of them have to do with, or like none at all have to do with, you know, getting rid of the sacramental dimension of the church of life like um martin luther saw a lot of problems with you know you would say kind of the the structure of of the institution of the church Hierarchy. and specifically yeah. in in his you know in, in his cultural context which you know and in his defense you know a lot of people within the church at the time sought to correct those uh, those issues as well and you have kind of the council of trent that follows where they actually did kind of uh, rectify a lot of the issues that were introduced in the 95 Theses. Um, but, you know, in in his attempt or in the attempt of that revolution mentality to kind of um, undermine or discredit, you know, the, the structure of the church, the authority of the pope, the authority of priests, um, an un, un, maybe unintended or unfortunate byproduct of that is that the removal of the sacramental dimension of 
uh, the, so you have you know a falling like of of a recognition of the Eucharist as the Eucharist that it just it, it becomes downgraded to communion or um, you know just a symbol or just um, um, and you know uh, um, I, again to come back to that you know Protestantism gave me the tools um, that you know if if I'm a serious student of scripture if i take the gospels seriously if i take you know jesus at his word you know we can come to john chapter six where he he said like he actually says you know this this is is my flesh and like unless you eat my flesh you have no life in you and uh, again like you have the expectation of people like you just mean symbolically right like this this is like and it's like no, no, my body is true food. Indeed. And then they and, walk away. And they walk away. But yeah. they first ask the question that people are still asking today. How yeah. can this man give us his yeah. flesh to eat? Yeah. Right? Like they yeah. ask the yeah. same question we ask yeah. today. And then they, they walk away. Yeah. And that's what I love is Jesus turning, like at that moment, Jesus turning to his disciples and going, like instead of being like, okay, guys, I meant it as a symbol. Don't like, you know, go go catch them. Yeah. Tell them. No, he turns to them and goes like, hey, you you too? Yeah. <laughs> you guys want to leave too? Because like this is, I'm not changing yeah. my word on this. Yeah. And for me, again, with, with, uh, with my quote unquote Protestant formation. Yeah. I'm not coming at this with, you know, an allegiance to Catholicism per se. I'm coming at this yeah. from the perspective of, okay, Jesus said this. I I'm I'm taking scripture seriously. I need to come to terms with what he's saying here. And what he's saying here points me much more to um uh, you know, the Eucharist as the Eucharist mm-hmm. and not not as, you know, just a symbolic Symbol. remembrance of of yeah. those things. As an aside, can I ask yeah. a question? Yeah. Do you think Martin Luther, who was a Catholic priest, yeah, he was... do you think that he intended for all this <laughs> to happen? He, I, I don't think so initially. I, th- I think like the, the 95 Theses and his early works were really, really aimed at removing indulgences uh, and yeah. the, the excesses of indulgences that were, you know, uh, present in um the renaissance church like that yeah. that's um and, and again uh, he he's not the only one there no. were a lot of forces who worked to, to correct this from within and not and not kind of uh, branch off i think at a certain point um he became more committed to the revolution itself rather than the yeah the discussion but even yeah. at the end i think because by the time he was old and dying mm-hmm. um there were hundreds of break offs, I think, at that mm-hmm. point. I can't remember exactly the number, yeah. but he said something along the lines of, look what was created from this. I can't yeah. remember exactly his words, but it was something along the lines. It was in disappointment that, you know, yeah. when you pull away the authority, the authority of the church, then who has the authority to make those decisions? Well, just anybody. And yeah. that's kind of what ended up happening was as, as one church broke away and then the Church of England broke away. And then now they agree with what Martin Luther says to a point. So they're Lutherans, but then they don't quite agree with this part. So they're going to break away from Lutherans because who's got the authority then? Well, I have the authority because, yeah. you know, and then just kind of. And that comes back to like our initial point that we, we want to avoid this this becoming kind of a, a tribalism. Yeah. That it's like I'm, uh, you know, I, I um, like you even look at the, the sort of conflicts in, in Ireland over, you yeah. know, Catholics and Protestants and like. How much of that has to do with the Actual theology faith. of trans- transubstantiation? <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's become this kind of you know identifier that you know I'm not like that person. Um, that you know initially the Protestant yeah. Reformation started out as a theological disagreement, mm-hmm. at the point where it came you know mobs of people traipsing across Europe, destroying sacred art and melting down you know pipe organs. It's not about the theology anymore, no. and 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 again, we, we have to work hard to kind of reclaim that space to yeah. like not just make it an us and them mentality. Yeah, um, yeah, in these discussions. So you've listed three things that are sort of the main objections, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you said the Eucharist, 
Mary and purgatory. Yeah. And so we kind of addressed the Eucharist. Yeah. Did you want to talk about Mary or uh, yeah. where did you want to go? Yeah. Maybe Mary because I, I think that's that's one of the biggest. And and again, I, I may be personal. That, that's that's one of the biggest hangups that I had. We did a whole episode on purgatory. And so if somebody's yeah. really questioning purgatory, I'm going to encourage them to go back and look at through our other episodes and yeah. look at purgatory. Look at the, what we taught. We did a whole entire episode on what the church teaches about purgatory and why they teach it and the objections to it. Yeah. Um, and, and then why what the church, how the church teaches and why the church teaches so yeah. so for the perspective on mary i think um that there are yeah I, I gave kind of two places where again protestants would point to scripture in a way that seems to present a direct challenge to the catholic view of mary mm-hmm. um and one of those is luke chapter uh, 11 um and i think yeah i think if if we if we have the time um it's maybe worth going into the specifics of it just to just to kind of um, address them. You're talking Luke chapter 11, verse 27 Seven. to 28. Yeah. Is yeah, that yeah. what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, that area. Um, so, uh, again, people will have, and, and again, a, a lot of um, uh, the objection to uh, Mary is expressed through an objection to the rosary. Um, you have, um, you know, th- this, this You're praying to Mary, not to God. You're praying to Mary, not to God. Yeah. Um, you're, um, uh, uh, you're repeating the same prayers over and over again, or uh, uh, elsewhere in scripture it says, you know, do away with, um, senseless repetition or, yes. um, you know, being, think you're being heard because of your many words, uh, those types of things. It's like, um, again, that's not a rejection of, of repetition. It's a rejection of meaninglessness or yes. yeah, that, um, yeah. And I think we've addressed that before. We just want to—I'd say we just let's just read this, yeah. Uh, yeah, this, yeah. this scripture in question. So uh, it's Luke chapter eleven, uh, and it's you know Jesus talks about perseverance in prayer. He actually teaches the Lord's prayer mm-hmm. at the beginning of chapter eleven. He's talking about persevering in prayer. There's this uh, incident between Jesus and Beelzebul and the unclean spirit. Anyways, then we get to verse twenty-seven, and it, it says this. He says, "While he was saying this." A woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts that nursed you. But Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Yeah. So uh, just so I'm clear yeah. on this, you know, so people sort of take this as like, well, you know, let's not put attention towards someone said, blessed who, Mary. Yeah. yeah. Who so bore me. Yeah. They'll point to this as a direct example of someone, um, you know, um, trying to honor Mary saying like, blessed, blessed is the womb. She, yeah. 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 Um, and hit Jesus correcting them directly saying blessed rather. Yeah. Blessed rather are. Those, those who, who hear the word of God and yeah, obey it. Yeah. And there's there's a little bit to unpack here, too, because a lot of times uh, Protestants will cite this as a specific rejection of um, um, the Hail Mary yeah. that, that we commonly Bless pray. Blessed the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Yeah. Blessed yeah. art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And, you know, this kind of direct um, reference to the womb, um, you know, this, uh, again, at a superficial level, seems to be a pretty good, a pretty good objection. Um and I, th- I think it's <laughs> there's and and there's there's kind of an ironic element here. Um, again, if if I'm employing good you know humorous mm-hmm. biblical hermeneutics, that it's like while he was saying these things, um, someone chimed in, bless, yeah. <laughs> blessed is the womb that bore yeah. you. Like first of all, don't interrupt, don't interrupt, <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> Um, especially because he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. That is like, he's putting that, them in their place. Right? There's, More a, than anything. there's an ironic layer here that I, that I just really enjoy. Blessed are um, those who listen. Yeah. 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 Rather yeah. than interrupt. Yeah. Yes. Um, but again, that's, yeah. Uh, I, um, like he's, he's calming the heckler is what he's doing. Right there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Um, and uh, again, this is this is directing um, you know the attention to Mary. Um, but again, when we pray the Rosary, when we pray, pray the Hail Mary, even the Hail Mary is directed at Jesus. Right. I, again, we we don't say "Blessed is your womb." We say blessed, blessed is the, the fruit, fruit of your womb. Of the direction of that prayer, the, what we're actually brings honoring, always, to Jesus, yeah. always always brings us to Jesus. Um, and again, insofar as we're recognizing Mary, um, we're recognizing that you know she is God's chosen instrument um, for um, bringing Christ into the world. And mm-hmm. it's like it's it's um, uh, you know as as our as our Protestant brothers and sisters kind of remind us it's it's possible to worship Jesus without Mary yes. um, it's it's would be strange and incorrect um, to um, uh, you know have a veneration of Mary without Jesus it, yeah. it just doesn't make yeah, sense it doesn't make so sense. again right. yeah. uh, um, and again and, and and we as Catholics need to be careful about drawing that line properly and and ma- maintaining that that proper and the distinction church, and the church in the past has actually excommunicated groups of people that have put mary on a pedestal or a place where she didn't yeah. belong yeah um giving her godlike powers or giving her you know what i mean like yeah so like you said like there is no mary without jesus yeah there's jesus without yeah. mary but there's no mary without jesus and the church recognizes yeah. that and totally upholds yeah. that even even that's a little bit complicated yeah because it's like like um, there is Jesus without Mary, but you don't have the fullness of the incarnation without Mary. You're right. And and and, yeah, and that is yeah, like yeah. that 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 is again, if if we're making a case for Catholicism, that is like we we kind of rightly hold up Mary. We venerate. We don't worship. Yes, exactly. We hold up Mary as you know the instrument of the incarnation. Yeah. First um, Christian. The first, yeah. yeah. First yeah, disciple. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's actually a, probably a good good segue into our uh, next objection. If if nobody yeah. else has anything. To add to that one, um, and it comes from First uh, Timothy chapter two. Um, Father, do you want to read it again, or would you like me to? Yes, okay. chapter two, yeah. verse what five, five, five and six. six. Yeah. So this is uh, Saint Paul's letter, obviously to Timothy. It's First Timothy, and uh, that he's giving some instructions regarding prayer. Right. So mm-hmm. he's talking about uh, supplications, prayers, thanksgivings uh, to be made for everyone. And then in um, verse 5 to 6, he says, For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. Mm -hmm. Did I read the right quote there? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that there is one mediator. Um, yeah. That and, and again, this is this is um, sometimes quoted as um, a, a, a scriptural challenge to the intercession of the saints um, yeah. in the first part, but specifically to uh, to Mary um, as kind of being a special intercessor um, of being a you know a mediator um, you know and especially again for um, and this this is common for people who have been raised Catholic um, and sometimes have you know. Um, uh, encountered these um, these communities of you know Mary in excess or yeah, yeah. you know um, maybe maybe kind of um, maybe misunderstand and um, uh, and again oh, this might be talking shop a little bit too much um, because there there's there was a debate a debate that's been going on in in kind of the uh, 20th century about um, Mary as mediatrix mm. um, and Ooh, uh, yeah. yeah so that um, you know um, the role of Mary as uh, a, a mediator of grace between you know um, people and Jesus and Protestants have a really really hard time with this um, and you know uh, to a certain degree kind of rightly so um, 
but uh, and again, this is this is maybe kind of hair splitting a little bit. Um, but there there are camps of people who want to refer to Mary as a mediatrix of grace. Right. Some who want to refer to her as the mediatrix of all graces. Right. Um, so oh, yeah. and again, this this is this is something that um, uh, you know it, yeah. is, is a hangout or like people people who have kind of turned away uh, sometimes have turned away on this point because um, even even uh, uh, John Paul II. Uh, referred to her as a mediatrix of grace. Um, and again, when we're talking about her being the efficient means of the incarnation, you know, that, that, that there is a way um, of, that, of describing that that, that, that is that accurate. Yeah. Uh, but you need to package that with a theological qualification. You need to explain that title yes. in a way that, you know, again, if, if, you're, if you're in an elevator with an elevator with someone, you don't necessarily have the time to kind of unpack <laughs> and qualify that um, in the same way that you would have, you know, sitting around a pitcher of beer. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and for that reason, around the time of Vatican II, um, you know, the, the, the church actually um, discussed whether or not to formally adopt the title of Mediatrix um, of all graces, and they chose not to. Um, and um, I believe uh, Pope Benedict was one of the kind of the factors um, in, involved in this. And he explained later that it's like, there is a way of thinking about this that is theologically accurate. Like, but because of how open it is to misunderstanding, misinterpretation by Protestants and Catholics alike, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, we're not adopting it as a formal title yeah. um, because, again, we, we want to maintain that, you know, when we ask, yes, we, we accord a special position to Mary, but when we ask Mary to pray for us, it's it's of the same kind yeah. of asking you to pray for me, exactly. or you know anyone who's and uh, any intercession of the saints and any type of intercession. Um, yes, Mary has a special role, yeah. um, but it doesn't. She is not replacing Jesus. She's yes. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, she yeah. Has, she holds no power. Yeah. 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 So I'm just trying to understand yeah. this uh, for maybe people listening at home who have heard this term for the first time. So uh, by Mary being the one who births Jesus mm-hmm. into the world, yes, uh, people have uh, have seen her as this mediator between yeah. God and bringing yeah. God to life, right? Um, but uh, which is like she's kind of like the middle person <laughs> there that's yeah. necessary, and she's a singularity in right. in, in terms of humanity. Her, her yes, but her allowed, yes, yes, yeah, yeah allowed, allowed that it. to happen, yeah. right? And then, and because we have free will, because we and we've talked about this before, but because we have free will, God didn't force Himself on Mary. Yeah. He allowed Mary's free will, saying that yes, allowed sure. her. So her decision was what brought Jesus into the world. So the 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 real issue is that in in the scripture quote that we read from First Timothy, it says that there is only one mediator. So people yeah. object to using the term mediator or mediatrix to, as for Mary because there's only to be yeah. one mediator. You know, I I see it as a, a it doesn't really diminish the role of Jesus uh, no. at all as the one mediator right and um, you know I in a, in a sense we're all called as as Christians to be yeah. sort of a mediator yeah. right because uh, we, we introduce we're supposed to introduce I, others to Jesus yeah. so we become the, the person in the middle I mean at a, at a certain point we're to back off yeah, yeah. And, and let you know Jesus God do his, and, and do his thing with with his people, uh, but you know when we talk about the Lord, we talk about these things. To, we're to evangelize, like, we, we are we are mediators. We are we, all, all we're called to be, to be instruments of grace in the world. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, she uh, she's she's not the 
originator of grace. No, you know she no, was no. in the. In no, the, she's an, an instrument of grace. exactly yeah, yeah, an yeah, instrument. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and like you said, flowing through her. Right, that's that's kind of the yeah. The, that's cool. Exactly. Yeah. You know these. Um, it, it, you know it gets me thinking a little bit because uh, obviously. The, the some of this talk for for me as someone who's born and raised Catholic is just like you know I've I've thought about these things or you know I've also taken theology courses yeah, yeah, and yeah. that <laughs> yeah. and so you've thought about these things and, and wrestled them out. Where is a good place for people to have these conversations? Like, where is a good place for someone to say, "Here's my objection to Catholicism." Mary, you say Mary is this or whatever it might be. Like, where is that place for people to have this conversation in today's world? Like, online? Yeah. Or? It's tough. Yeah, on, <laughs> on, online. And, and, and you know, you, want, you don't want to limit God's grace. You don't want to say that God's, God's grace can only operate in this uh, space and, you know, and not somewhere else. Online is difficult yeah. um, because it's, it's difficult to establish the, the credibility of another person <laughs> online. And, and just kind of uh, giving bo- both of our experiences yeah. um, that, you know, the, the groundwork and the context for, you know, a lot of these th- fruitful discussions is actually journeying alongside people that we disagree with. Yeah. You know, giving, giving, giving them the time of day, actually taking their objections seriously. Yeah. Um, looking at looking at the scripture, reading scripture together, um, we, we hearing just, it out. We yeah. just did a um, uh, an episode on the road to Emmaus. Like, right. That's yeah, where, right. where you know um, walk in the wrong direction. Yeah, the disciples <laughs> are explaining their interpretation of you know the events and scripture to Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> who's and, like uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah. he doesn't say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. he hears them out. Yeah, exactly. and then it's like and and, and again, I I, I don't <laughs> I've. Um, uh, you know, uh, reference pictures of beer. I think twice already. This, uh, <laughs> so I don't. But uh, but again, just just the kind of that relaxed atmosphere. You can cover a lot more ground, and you know, with with a lot better kind of attitude and uh, you know mutual respect um, than you know this kind of adversarial yeah. um, approach that, that shows up a lot online. Or I'm, that I'm going to say for people for people that are that are they're having those issues themselves with 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 Mary and having like having those um, hard to understand and wrestling with with mm-hmm. Mary and stuff that's that's I'm gonna say that's completely normal yeah, yeah. Um, that if you're diving deeper and deeper into your faith you're allowed like you're supposed to wrestle with your faith that's part of it and we yeah. talked about last week of the Israelites and, and wrestling and the whole point of Israel light is is people that wrestle with God um, and so wrestling with your faith is perfect what you should do with that is you have a you have the church that has 2,000 years worth of experience that talks about what what the what the church teaches Mary's role is. Mm-hmm. And so I would go to the saints. I would go to even specific, maybe Catholic podcasts or mm-hmm. um, like think places that, you know, and you can trust yeah. um, that teach Catholic teaching and, and, and seriously and um, use the catechism and the words of the saints and stuff to kind of go through and just say, this is what the church teaches. This is how the church teaches it so that mm-hmm. you can deepen your own faith. Um, maybe that's a, t- a thing where you open that discussion up and you, you guys are together going to listen to the words of, um, I don't JP two about Mary yeah. or whatever. And, 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 and you and another person are going to sit down, you're going to read this and then you're going to discuss it over a pitcher of beer or yeah. a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and discuss this together on yeah. what the church teaches, but like, go back to the source, go back to the, you know, yeah. and if you're ever having a problem with it, you can never love Mary more <laughs> than Jesus did. Jesus loved Mary, his mother. So you follow his example. Mm-hmm. And like you can never love her more than God did Himself, yeah. and so we don't worship, 
but you can love Mary. You can have a relationship with Mary. Who do you think she was closer with yeah. out of everybody? Probably yeah. her son, right? Yeah. So, um, For Protestants specifically, um, one of the places that uh, um, was really helpful for me is someone like Scott Hahn. Um, because his his journey was was very yeah, very similar to mine that he was like he set he learned uh, he initially set out to learn about Catholicism with an aim to refute it um, to you know uh, challenge to prove it. why it's wrong yeah. yeah so and then and a lot of his books are his journey to you know that that, that idea that uh, the tools he had and I think um, his wife had a very specific journey yeah, with Mary too yeah, so yeah. that would she would be another um, and 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 other people uh, so. Um, the idea that, like, you know, um, uh, Protestantism was a springboard for me uh, to yeah. Catholicism rather yeah. than an obstacle um, is from, uh, you know, uh, someone like Thomas Howard, who wrote a book called Evangelical is Not Enough. But, like, uh, again, and, and um, or even even reading someone like, like C.S. Lewis, who, you know, wasn't, um, wasn't Catholic in kind of the, the literal sense, but, like, was a, a pretty big stepping stone for me in kind of um, creating that framework. Um, uh, to kind of explore um, uh, you know, faith more seriously and, and yeah. leading me to to Catholicism, uh, but like yeah, it's 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 hard to books and podcasts and YouTube channels are a good starting place, I'll yes. say. But like getting connected with a community that you can trust and can have these honest conversations with, um, is like RCIA is another great example it's just like you can you can Talk bring yeah. bring all of your questions like yeah. the bring and and a lot of times we end up having this is it's not just a you know this is why all of these things are wrong it's you know we have a good discussion about you know this is a good question let's yeah. let's explore it together yeah. and i i think maybe you know picking your brain and your experience that we could uh, do a couple more episodes on yeah. uh, on some of these objections uh, to catholicism because i think they are helpful and I, I think also it gives it gives catholics a tool to you know because you know as a priest i hear these questions from people all the time people have these objections and you know you visit families at home and there's some people in the family who aren't catholic and they raise these things after a couple of drinks around the dinner table or something like that <laughs> whatever it might be but that's just me people in your in their homes and in their families in their workplaces are asked these questions all the time when when people find out that they're catholic so it also gives people it gives catholics the tools to be able to have these conversations and not to be afraid of having these conversations mm -hmm. but to but to, to, to have the knowledge of where to find yeah. sort of answers and, and things like that if they're not clear. So maybe we'll have to tackle a few other uh, topics in other episodes too because we are running out of time. I just want to say beer. That's probably, I think, and that's eight <laughs> times that we've mentioned alcohol in this episode. So, you know, we're not being sponsored by What them. were you doing before <laughs> this episode? No, 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 no. Actually, no, we're, we're filming this early. It's like two o'clock in the afternoon. Oh. This is not... <laughs> you haven't started yet. I haven't right? started yet. No, yeah. yeah. But the theology right. happens later. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. You, you got to have a couple God. drinks in you first. Yeah. If uh, anyone has any more objections to the Catholic faith or questions, questions. Uh, for us to sort of tackle in uh, another episode, send us an email at askusatthecatholicbuzz.com or drop us a line on our Facebook or Instagram pages. Uh, that's all the time we got uh, for today. So for Josh Sullivan and Matt Van Milligan, my name is Father Daniele. We'll see you next time on the Catholic Buzz. Mm -hmm.